Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Sean Carey Tattoo. We're going to be talking Bermudez versus the Korean Zombie and James Vick versus Abel Trujillo. Sean Carey Tattoo, we're back at it again. How's it going, man? How's it going, man? You ready for some Texas, for some Texas judging? Just the way we like it? Just fucking crooked and all over the place and totally wrong. That's what I'm looking forward to. Some just put your hand over your mouth type decisions. Just can't take it type decisions. That's what we're looking forward to, right, Daniel? You're into that? Dude, you like I, that? I'm looking forward to some 3026 bows. You know what I mean, Sean? Yeah, that's going to happen. Sure. Can't wait. And they just can't get it right. They can't get it right in any sport, by the way. It's not like they do boxing any better. They're famous for being terrible from being terrible at boxing. It's just it just carries over. I don't know what's in the water down there or what, but it, it's fucking terrible. Yeah, and speaking of a fight that has a high probability of going to a split decision, we got the fight pass featured prelim between Nico Price, he's minus one twenty five, and Alex Morano's plus one oh five. Now I like this fight a lot, Sean, because I mean Obviously, with Nico Price, you saw in his UFC debut, he goes out there against Brandon Thatch, taps him out in the first round. Not that tapping out Brandon Thatch is that big of an accomplishment anymore, but it showed you that this kid can come, can come in on short notice, get a first-round stoppage against a more experienced guy. But against Murano, I think Murano's experience is actually going to pay off here because, you know, the, the fundamental difference between Murano and Brandon Thatch is Murano's not a quitter. Murano wins fights with his will, with his grit, with his heart. And he's the kind of dude that, you know, he kind of reminds me of a, you know, Jason Knight meets Kelvin Gastelum. You know, he doesn't look like, you know, like kind of like Kelvin. He kind of looks like he might, he, like he could probably drop a weight class. But I just think that's how his body type is, man. And he is gritty. You know, he'll take that ass whooping up front and he'll still be in your face. If you start to gas out even a little bit, Alex Murano is going to put it on you. And Nico Price, obviously we know he's a finisher, but the only time he's been the full three-round distance was against a guy that was like four and two. And not, not discrediting that win whatsoever, just saying that Murano is a completely different experience level. And I think that Nico is actually going to take his first uh, career loss here. So I got Alex Murano for the victory, man. I've been impressed with this kid. I know you haven't been impressed with him because, you know, he is hittable, but to me, there's different kinds of hittable. There's, you know, dudes that are chinny as fuck, and then you're like, okay, yeah, I want nothing to do with it. But then there's guys like Murano who, you know, it's kind of like like Diego Sanchez. You hit the guy a hundred times, he's still going to walk forward, you know, and he's still going to be in your face. It wasn't until way towards the end of Diego's career that he finally got stopped. And I, I think it's going to be a while for Murano, and I think he's going to will himself to victory here just by being the grittier guy. Not that Nico's not gritty, because he totally is, and he seems like a smart dude. Uh, you know, I mean, if you hear his post-fight interview after the Thatch fight, he talk, he talks all about how he watches film, and he's a real, you know, he's a, he's a thinker, and he comes from a great team at ATT. But I think the experience of Murano is going to be the difference here. So give me a better underdog price, and I might take that shot, Sean. Yeah, this is this is a tough one. It's got me running for the hills. I my problem with Murano is that uh, you know he's he's very sloppy, very hittable, and and just you know all around ugly. Really, uh, I've I've heard that his grappling and the wrestling is good. I haven't seen that the grappling and the wrestling is good. It's serviceable, but uh, you know, good is a different story. Uh, thinking all those things about him, I bet against him. And he's beaten me. So how did he beat uh, you? I have Muntasri. No, I know, but how did he win that fight? Not really, like not in the way that uh, that I expected. If it went bad, I thought it would be he gets his ass kicked 
weathers it and wins at the end. It was never like that, really. And I don't know how much of it to to credit Murano with and how much of it to blame Muntasri with. Uh, what what I do know from thinking what I think about him and then from seeing what I see out of him, what I think about him is not what I'm seeing. If he's one of those ugly guys who's going to be successful just making it ugly, that's fine. But my read on him is uh, not good at this point. Uh, on the other half of that, Price, uh, when I was studying him against uh, Thatch, I was like, this guy, whoa, his stand-up defense, not good. His head is right there to be hit. I was thinking that Thatch was going to catch him with something and knock him out. Uh, I didn't bet that one because it's Thatch, but that's not what happened. But then again, he didn't really test my theory. You know what I mean? But but he won that fight. I really did not expect him to win that fight. So, again, you know, not going too deep into him. I saw what I saw. It did not play out that way. I was wrong. So now we've got two guys that I'm wrong against, uh, wrong about against each other. I can't, I, I can't put money on it. I can pick, and I'll pick Murano just based on experience. And when it really comes down to it, we've, we've seen what we – we, we've seen enough out of Murano to know that he's a serviceable guy, probably a journeyman-type guy. Uh, we haven't seen enough out of Price to really know anything, really. You know what I mean? It's true, man. And we got Chaskelly's minus 250, and Chris Gritzmacher is plus 210. Now, I was kind of surprised when I heard that this fight got matched up. What do you think about this fight, Sean? Uh, I love this fight. I think there's a big edge on this fight. Um... You know, Grutzmacher is, is kind of a, you know, he's that MMA lab archetype, right? He wants to put in, uh, he wants to take some to give some, and he wants to work this this pace on you and, and wear it down and still have that pace when you have no pace left to give him. Uh, his problem is, is that at one point in his career, he could suck it up. At this point in his career, it doesn't look like he can suck it up. It doesn't look like he he has any timing. It doesn't look like the athletic ability is there. It, it looks like he missed his window to be Brian Barbarena. You know what I mean? Like he is Brian Barbarena in, in two or three years from now. It, it's over. So if your game is to, uh, you know, take a beating, put in work, and get the guy at the end, that's great. But that's a short career. Uh, that, that window where he would have done that to good people is over, but yet he is still fighting good people. That's a problem. Uh, Skelly, on the other hand, very athletic, very grindy, possible cardio problems, I guess. Um, the thing, I mean, we, we kind of see what we're getting out of Skelly, right? It's, it's good wrestling. It's grindy stuff. We get it. The thing that's kind of the wild card here is that Maxi Blanco fight. Did what he taste? What he tasted in that fight is that going to taint the fucking thing here? Is that going to poison the well here? Is that going to change his style? Is he going to brunt on us now? You know what I mean? Like, is he <laughs> is he all out attacker now? Because I guarantee you, when we've seen his cardio falter, uh, I don't want to see what happens to his cardio when he goes full steam ahead and he tries to Maxi Blanco somebody and it doesn't work. I don't think he's going to have too much gas left. Uh, you know, that, that being said, this is, a, 
this is a grindy guy against a grindy guy, and and I've got a bet on the on the better, younger, faster grindy guy. I I like it. Um, I'd like the over too, if not for that Maximo Blanco fight that throws a wild card in there that that might confuse Skelly into thinking he is a different person than he is. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen. But I've got Skelly in a in a parlay with somebody else later in the card. I like him a lot in this fight. Yeah, I mean, this fight really reminds me of they're just trying to bring uh, Chas Skelly, some guy to lose in Texas. You know, that's what's going to happen here, man. And, you know, as far as the Maxi Blanco fight is concerned, I feel like that was kind of like I'm going to beat Maxi Blanco at his own game because we know Maximo likes to come out there and throw flying knees, you know, right when the bell rings. So it was kind of like to send him a message, you know, and Gritzmacher's not known for doing that kind of thing. So I, it, it was an ego thing, you know what I'm saying, Sean? But bottom line, just like Darren Elkins was the better grappler and grinder than Chas Kelly, Chas Kelly's the better grinder than Chris Gritzmacher. And that's the bottom line. And uh, he's going to get the nice win here in Texas. So, yeah, I got the favorite. And, uh, dude, Curtis Blades is minus 220 and Adam Milstead is plus 180. Dude, is uh, is Adam Milstead in the wrong weight class? Should he be at 205 or is he a legit heavyweight, man? Because I feel like Curtis Blades, you know, this dude is a heavyweight. He's a 265-pound dude and there, yeah. there, there is no making 205. There, you know, we, we're not even going to have that conversation about Curtis Blades. He, you know what... He might be neither. You know what I mean? Like, Milstead might be in the middle. Some, like, if there was a cruiserweight division, this is who we're talking about. This is the body style that we're talking about, right? That's that's the guy who's who's probably a little bit big for 205 and and definitely too small to be fighting the, the gigantic beast he's about to be fighting. So, you know, until there's more of those guys, we ain't going to see that weight class. Or maybe you know we want a we want a lightweight women's division instead of a men's cruiserweight division because they like to do ridiculous dumb shit like that. Maybe that happens instead. But for right now, yeah, he's in the wrong weight class, but he's he's really got nowhere to go, in my opinion. The thing with Milstead uh, is, I mean, he's a gamer, but I feel like he kind of leaves that chin straight up in the air, relies on his toughness. And when you're fighting a dude that's 265 pounds, as you saw in the Francis Ngannou versus Curtis Blades fight, with Curtis, the dude, the dude's not even aware of the kind of power he possesses. I mean, he is capable of stiffening you up with a jab. And I don't see why he can't do that here. I mean, he did that against Ngannou, and with a dude like... Uh, like Adam Milstead, I don't see why you can't put him away. But, you know, then again, you could look at it like Milstead's the smaller, faster, maybe, uh, you know, kind of like a Frankie Edgar in this situation. But I just don't see it that way. And I, I see Curtis Blades uh, potentially stopping him. Now, when I uh, – so do I. So do I. And and bear with me for a second because I'm, I'm going to make some jumps here. It, one thing before the jumps, Milstead – Going into his first fight against De La Roca, um, you know, I looked at him, and you know I love the boxing. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm definitely looking for that. I'm looking for speedy guys. Uh, he showed a lot of that. He showed decent hands. His, his punches are pretty technical and pretty tight for the majority of the time. He does have his chin floating around sometimes, uh, and that's a problem. And it was definitely a problem in that in the De La Roca fight. He got tagged numerous times. He got bloodied up numerous times. There's one glaring thing about Adam Milstead, and I think when I broke down his first fight, I mentioned it. He is fucking wire tight at all times. He is the most tense home run only hitter 
that we've seen in a, in a long time. Like the dude doesn't do anything easy. Like he doesn't change up speed on anything. It's all home runs. And in between his home runs, he's not relaxed at all. Like he is just wire tight and he was burning out in that De La Roca fight. It's just the De La Roca fight at that fought at that pace too. And he couldn't deal with it. Now, if he can't get to, to blades, and and hit him with a with a good combo, which Blades is you know has shown some susceptibility to happen to him. East, who I think is a better striker than Milstead, East tagged him up and hurt him a couple times. Um, he reacted well though, uh, and Ganu hit him with all kinds of shit, and he took it, and and for some reason didn't look as as hurt in the in Ganu fight as he did in, in Cody East. I think Cody East wobbled him a little bit harder. Um, and Gano did put him down one time, but he was he was uh, fine instantly. Um, and here's the thing about about Curtis Blades, and I know I'm talking about the tallest midget here, but does Curtis Blades have the best power double leg in the heavyweight division? I know that there's probably not that many of them around right now, and the guy who possessed them in the past isn't really that guy anymore. If you look at young heavyweights, again, tallest midget, and honestly, all heavyweights right now, as far as a power double goes, Curtis Blades has a fucking good one. Like, he's, when he grabs you and drives through, you're going on your fucking ass. That's what it looks like. Um, he did lock up with Nganu and, and got tossed off one time, but he did just straight pancake Nganu once, too. Like, uh he pancaked Cody East multiple times, lifted him up in the air and jumped with him and landed on him. That shit is no joke. Milstead is small. Okay. When blades gets hit, that's the first thing that happens is, is that double leg. And you would like to catch him in the middle of that double leg. But once he's on you, you're going for a fucking ride. I think multiple times this, the standup might be sketchy, even though I, I, as we've seen blades can probably get the Milstead and hurt him as well. But when it does get sketchy, that double leg is coming. Can Milstead get this big bastard off of him? Can Milstead stop that takedown in open space? I say no and no. I think this is Milstead walking around wire tight with his teeth clamped shut, throwing home runs, burning out, getting taken down, getting tired with this huge guy on top of him, and catching a mean beating. I think uh, Blade stops him probably mid-second, end of the second, something like that. I like Blades here. I've got Blades and Skelly for two units. That's plus 109. Jessica Andrade, she's minus 455. And Angela Hill is plus 360. Now, uh, I think this is a mismatch, Sean. I agree with the line. And I feel as if, uh, you know, for a long time, a lot of us were calling for Jessica Andrade to drop to straw weight. I mean, because she was always a, a little pit bull up at a... Uh, a bantamweight, but, you know, she was just simply too short. And the times when she would lose fights, she'd be dominating them, and, uh, you know, she'd give up her back to just uh, to, to a bigger fighter. And I feel like now that she's at this weight class of strawweight, I mean, dude, you see the way she's been running through these chicks. And, and I mean, you know, Jessica Penne, you could make the argument, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, Joanna's corpse, right? But bottom line, I mean, she still stopped her quicker than Joanna did. And also... Uh, Joanne Calderwood, I haven't seen too many people put her away in the first round. I know Marina Moroz, but this was this was a thorough, you know, no questions asked, no, uh, 
you know, no issues outside of the cage, Calderwood. This was Calderwood coming off her best career performance, and Andrade still put her away in the first round. Now, Angela Hill, she got cut from the UFC for a reason, and the reason she got cut was because she wasn't good enough to be in the UFC, and so she went to Invicta, won the title there, you know, went to close split decisions with, you know, people that fought, you know, once uh, every two years, that, that kind of thing. I, and now she's coming back to fight. You know, look, if I'm backing Jessica Andrade to potentially beat Joanna, then I have to bet the house and uh, pick her to beat Angela Hill. I mean, if I'm, you know what I mean? If, if I'm giving her even a chance against the UFC champion, then I better bet her to beat the Invicta champion. So I got her in a 3.5 unit parlay with someone later on on the card. I think she's simply too big, too strong, too athletic, too everything. For Angela Hill, I think Angela Hill's simply not ready. And I also think there's a chance she might be overlooking Andrade. Not that it makes a difference. Even if she was the most focused she's ever been in her life, Andrade is still a terrible matchup for her. So I see Andrade not only winning this fight, but finishing this fight. However, if it does go to decision, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. It's a fucking strawweight fight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All those fights fucking go to decision. But... There's something about Andrade, and uh, she definitely strikes me as a finisher. I mean, she has been putting these chicks away, so I, I believe she continues that trend here via submission. But uh, bottom line, I got her in a parlay. You know, I actually did some work on this one because I see a betting opportunity here. Uh, in, in truth, uh, Andrade probably gets to Angela Hill and gets her out of there that seems like the most logical conclusion here like once that that cage is cut off and she's pinned there and that combo comes you probably can't eat too many of those before things start to go poorly um but let's play a little devil's advocate here we haven't seen her so long yet at this weight class indeed she looks great at this weight class but you know we don't see what that turns into later yet uh, does Angela Hill, while in that interview, she does sound like she's overlooking her, which sounds crazy. Seems awfully confident. She's awfully confident off of beating two nobodies, but she does have that style to get on her bike, jab and move, you know what I'm saying? Land, land combos, land body kicks, that kind of situation. Can she do that? Can she survive early? Can she stay on the bike until mid-second round? Does Andrade slow down in the mid-second round? Can Angela Hill take over at that point? Um, that's possible, man. And and because that's possible, I thought about Hill to win. I don't love it, but that over, I'm right on the fence. I'm right on the fence with that over. I think if she, she can stay on the bike, she can stretch this long. Um you know, and as always, the, the sub-defense and the transitions and, and basically the whole ground game of Angela Hill, uh, not not so great. So, you know, you could she could just get choked out early too. But I don't know. Something about this fight tells me she gets she gets on her bike and, and gives Andrade problems, and we finally get to see how, how her skills play out at this weight class later into a fight. I think it would be interesting, but uh, Andrade is the pick. Jeez, I certainly hope not, man. But the thing is, I know what you're saying. It's just I don't really think she's on that level. You know, we never saw that in the UFC. We've maybe seen glimpses of it in Invicta against people that are like four and three. But in those fights, she was struggling too. So there's a huge experience gap, man. She would need the perfect game plan to keep Jessica Andrade at bay 
one does not simply keep her at bay, Sean. You know, even the fights she's lost have been serious fights, you know, back and forth. So if this was a five-round fight, then I'd be a little bit more concerned. But I, I feel what you're saying in terms of, you know, maybe having a weird feeling about this matchup just because it seems maybe too good to be true. I, you know, I get that 100%, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it seems a, little, seems a little easy at this point. But that being said, man, when you, you know, when you talk about what would be an easy matchup for Jessica Andrade and uh, Angela Hill is like one of the first names that pops to my mind, dude. Like I've just, I'm just not, I don't buy the hype with Angela Hill, man. <laughs> I don't think there's any hype. I would just rather, I, I'd rather have Andrade against somebody a little less mobile. You know what I mean? A little less mobile. That's the issue here, but you know, it's probably not an issue at all. I mean, isn't Joanne Calderwood like some, you know, switches her stances and, you know, is the fancy striker in that division? I just feel like Andrade is like so powerful that she's going to push Angela Hill up against the fence, lift her up and slam her. And, you know, the the whole mobile thing is not going to really matter. I pretty much agree with you. Well, I fucking hope I'm right, bro, because... Jesus Christ, how embarrassing would it <laughs> yeah. be? How fucking embarrassing would Your it be to, hope so. to lose a parlay with the biggest favorite on it, you know, as the losing leg? Just It, it, it goes against happens. everything I believe in, Sean. So, geez, we'll, 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 see, what, we'll see what happens, right? But uh, OSP, he's minus 310. And the newcomer, Volkan Ozdemir, is plus 255. And, I mean, OSP doesn't usually lose outside of the top five, man. I mean, he usually finds a way to win. Unless you're, you know, top five in the world. And, you know, Volkan's making his UFC debut. This dude's only had one fight in uh, the last two years, I believe. But, uh, you know, he is a finisher. He's still a big dude. And Ovince is coming off, you know, a bad loss. But at the same time, man, you know, it, Jimmy Manuel, right? I mean, Jimmy would probably do that to Volkan as well. It is what it is. You know, those losses happen from time to time. But I, I feel like Ovince is a mentally strong guy and can rebound from it. I know... There's the whole, you know, he's coming off the title shot, and then he lost the fight after that. And if he was fighting a, a top-five guy, then, you know, maybe look to fade him. But I feel like this is the kind of matchup that gets him back and, uh, you know, lets him keep his ranking, right? Nice little win. But uh, what do you think about the newcomer? You know, I, I think he's shitty. Um, I think, you know, I went and looked at this because I always like to fade OSP. Um you know, OSP has his things that he does well, which we, we've seen. Uh, you know, he's awkward. He's obviously a big puncher. Uh, he's super athletic. Uh, his ground game is not great, although his top games, you know, can definitely get to people, as we've seen. His cardio is not great. He also does weird things in fights, IQ-wise. Uh, he, he seems okay with the occasional staring contest. Um you know, I want to go against him. I want to go against him, at, especially with the bump your head on the ceiling type type situation. He went up there. He got beat. He did well, I guess. Uh, you know, then he gets beat again badly. Now he's coming back. He's not exactly super young, you know what I'm saying, career-wise anyway. Um, but this other guy is just crap, man. And And I read that he was – gearing up for a heavyweight fight and now he's got a short notice light heavyweight fight how's that gonna work out you know what i'm saying where you're training for a heavyweight for a pretty big fight i don't i forget what organization it was and now you got to cut down to 205 in in two weeks and some change or maybe even less than two weeks 
So that, you know, that's not good. This guy's a big puncher. He really shows nothing on the ground. His punches aren't that clean either. Uh, I feel like OSP should win this. I'm just basically experienced. I feel like the Russian gas is out. He's not, he's not Russian though. He's Swedish or something. Right. Um, I feel like he gasses out and loses. I think he's going to have problems with this weight cut. I don't, I don't like this situation. And I don't know why he's here other than to pump up OSP. Uh, I like OSP here. I like OSP too, man. And, uh, you know, we talked about this every single time he fights, but he kind of reminds me of Alex Cowboy in a way. Like, dudes get injured when they fight him. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's one of those guys. And, uh, yeah, yeah. In, in a spot like this, you know, he, he should get back on track. And it's probably going to be something funky, something unorthodox like he tends to do, man. I mean... You know, he's, uh, how, how would you describe his style? Because obviously, you know, like I've said in the past, it looks ugly, but it's effective most of the time anyways, you know? You know, what is, uh, shit, I forget, of course I space his name. Keith, he Jardine? beat Chuck Liddell. Keith Jardine, right? Not so rhythmy, not so bouncy like Jardine, but just throws the wrong thing. You know what I'm saying? Like you're you've been training against guys your whole life where you know after this comes this or after this move to here, it's usually gonna set up something from this side, but he does it wrong, whether it's on purpose or not, it's wrong, so it hits you, you know, that kind of situation. Just herky jerky, awkward, unorthodox. Sure, but it gets there quickly and gets there with some power. So it's it's a problem. Man, I mean, he kicks you with one of those body kicks, and it's gonna, you know, break a rib. But anyways, dude. Yeah. The co-co main event of the evening. We got Abel Trujillo. He's minus one ten, and James Vick is minus one ten. Now, I feel the only reason that this fight is a pick'em, according to the odds makers and to the public, is simply because of Vick's last fight. That's the only reason. Had that not happened, Vick would be a big favorite in this spot. Now. I mean, just think about uh, what Benil Darish would do to Abel Trujillo, Sean. So, to me, it's like, look, he, he went up against a, a top-five guy. In my book, Benil's a top-five guy. I mean, one doesn't simply 30-27 Rashid Magomedov in Mexico City elevation. And uh, so, Benny, to me, like I said, he's a top-five guy, and he's probably going to prove that when he gets this upset against uh, Edson Barboza, Sean. But, uh, you know, Vic, it was just, he had to take that first loss. Everyone has to take that first loss. But, uh in this spot, man, I mean, we know that Abel Trujillo is a bit of a front runner, you know, and he's got a reputation for being a knockout artist. But if you really look at it, I mean, yeah, he had a nice knockout against Jamie Varner when they were in the sloppiest of sloppy brawls. And, you know, he closed his eyes and threw a haymaker and it landed and put him out cold. You know, like that that's when he gets knockouts. And, oh, and, and he beat Bobby Volker twice. Like, okay, cool, man. You know, not Bobby Volker, the dude that lost to Bobby Volker. What's the name of that fucking guy with the blonde hair? Um, Roger Bowling, that kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, like those are the dudes that Abel Trujillo is knocking out, right? And ever since uh, you know the Reebok era started, go watch those three fights. The Glaze and T-Bow fight was pretty embarrassing. What was the next one? Why can't I picture Roger Bowling with blonde hair? I thought he had like a black black hair with like a bowl cut. <laughs> Am I picturing somebody else? Or I don't anyway, even know, man. I'm I think sorry. you're right about the go bowl on. cut. Okay. What are we saying? What was I saying? I lost my, my train of thought. The kind of people that, that Abel beats are, right, are yeah, blonde exactly, hair dudes exactly. with cuts. So, okay, okay, so, you know, I thought that he was a pretty explosive guy, you know, pre-Reebok. You know, you look at that fight with Jamie Varner, even though that one was so damn sloppy. Let's look at the one with Tony Ferguson, right? You know, he drops him in the first round, has a nice blast double in the first round. 
But dude, the the guy's only got one round of cardio. And after that, you know, if if you start to fade against a guy like James Vick who has the heart, has the will, wants to be in there and is known for, you know, going all three rounds, can handle the deep waters. And then we, we got to talk about, you know, the size difference too, obviously, you know, 6'3 versus 5'8. But to me, I, I, I'm going to put that on the back burner, man. I, I feel like, you know, when you're fighting a cardio machine and you're a one-round guy, it's just a bad proposition, man. And this ain't no Benny Dariush anymore, man. This is the kind of fight that Vic wins. You know, and people are going to say, oh, you're only going to bet on him because he's your friend. And it's like, look, dude, I got plenty of friends that are fighters and I don't bet on all of them. And not all of them are winners. I got friends that are fucking one and four. You know what I'm saying? But Vic, in particular, has a 90% win rate. This guy is a winner through and through. He's pissed off. He's embarrassed about how the last fight went. He's got a point to prove. He still believes that he can be a future world champion. Whereas a guy like Abel, you know, he's showing up, you know, to put a, put on a fun show for the fans, you know, get a paycheck, this and that. Vic's got a vision, man, and uh, I, I think that what's going to happen is Abel's going to come out swinging hard, and you know, maybe he gets an early uh, an early knockdown, maybe he gets one or two takedowns, but eventually he's going to start gassing out real hard and his head's going to start getting popped back with the straight punches and I think he's either going to get knocked out with a flying knee or he's going to get choked out with a with a guillotine on a desperation shot so I got James Vick in the 3.5 unit parlay with Jessica Andrade so let's get it well you know I can't I can't blame you uh you know what skill wise Vick is better uh Vick has some sneakier things that he does. Vic, Vic has good guillotine, and if Vic can work that boxing game that he did on Franca, um, he could really just hang Abel out on the end of a jab and straight punches for the whole damn night. And and I don't think Abel can deal with that without folding up shop. Uh, and then Vic can take it to him, you know, and get rid of him. The problem that I have here is I don't I don't love guys coming off of a knockout versus uh, a vicious knockout puncher unless that vicious knockout puncher is is really terrible and this is like a get well fight for for the other guy. I'm not sure that this is a get well fight for Vic. I think this is a pretty tough test for Vic, especially in this situation, this context. Uh, you've definitely got your money on the better guy. I just don't like the puzzle pieces, how they fit together here. Uh, Abel is absolutely dangerous. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he's, he can get to you. He can cover distance quickly and he can land big punches. And, and Vic has been hittable, uh, his whole career so far. Uh, and he wins, you know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not like that turns into losses and until recently that's okay. You know, and, and he eventually gets you. And you got to respect him for that. And he and he is going to be so tall and, and have quite a bit of reach. I, I get it, man. I just don't like that one dynamic. That just that one dynamic of it bothers me, so I stayed away. But I, I wish you luck. Thank you, man. Yeah, I mean, look, I know for a fact uh, the kind of work he's been putting in. Because, I mean, the dude, uh, he, he went to Thailand, like did like two months there. Obviously, he's still loyal with his coach here in the States. And, yeah, I, I think he's got a point to prove. And, I, and you said that, you know, Abel's the kind of guy that's going to fold up. And, and that 
you know, led me to remember that I feel like Henry Hoop's going to be screaming in the corner, you know, uh, don't quit, Abel, don't quit, you know, like we've seen uh, Henry Hoop do many times with his fighters. But, uh, you know, like I mentioned, and I I forgot to really emphasize this point, ever since the Reebok shorts, I don't think Abel's as explosive. Okay, so there's the Glacian T-Bow fight where, you know, he didn't really get to fight. He just got owned real quick. But then there was the... The Tony Sims fight, and man, I mean, his boxing looked like shit in that fight. And if it looks anything like that here against Vic, it's going to be a problem for him. I mean, you know, he was uh, trying to cover that distance, and he was getting popped hard. And, you know, Tony made a dumb mistake of shooting for a takedown. He got caught with a guillotine. The thing here is, you know Vic's not about to shoot for no takedown. I mean, when the dude got rocked by Benny Dariush, he's fucking throwing knees at Dariush. He stuffs one of Dariush's takedowns while he's rocked. Like that That's the kind of heart difference we're dealing with here, you know? So if Abel's going to win this fight, he has to finish. He's not winning a fucking decision. And obviously he's not going to win a submission either. He has to win by knockout. And yeah, that did happen to Vic in his last fight, but I don't think it's going to happen again here, man. I think Benil Dariush is a, I mean, he's a tough dude to deal with. He's a fucking southpaw from King's MMA. I mean, I don't have to sell this shit anymore. It is what it is. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But uh, I think Vic's about to whoop his ass on. You know, I, I hope it does happen, and he definitely has the 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 ability to do so. Yeah, executioner in Texas. That's what's up. That the UFC put him in the Coco main event. So I'm stoked. Felice Herrig, she's a plus two forty five dog to Alexa Grasso, who's minus two ninety. Sean, you, you know what's funny about this is you have a play on this, not me. I do. Yes, I I I've like all the chalk on this card more or less so i did put together like a a half a unit five team hail mary and she just happens to be part of it uh felice Herrig is crap uh, i there's not there's not a ton to break down here uh she's crap it's just true um grasso is not gonna have a problem with cardio i don't think she's gonna have a problem with power uh, she's gonna come forward she's gonna work a decent boxing game and she's gonna put it on herrig Maybe not get her out of there, but it, it probably secure a pretty sweet thirty twenty seven at the minimum. Yeah, well, I do think there's a chance that Alexa Grasso is a bit hyped up. You know, this is a, a fight where Felice Herrig's being brought in to lose, man. I mean, we see this scenario all the time where, you know, the the person that's been around the block gets fed to the younger up-and-coming prospect, and that's kind of what's happening here. Now, Felice Herrick did go out there and beat Kalen Curran, but everyone goes out there and beats Kalen Boo, Curran. Boo, yeah. And uh, Alexa Means Grasso, nothing. you know, she, uh, even though she's small for the weight class, man, she's got a good game. You know, in that last fight, she, you know, she was criticized for playing it safe, but you know what? Playing it safe still wins <laughs> a lot of the time. So yeah, you, you can't you can't she, blame she her for going out there and way. winning a fight, you know? And it was also in the altitude, too. So it is what it is. I expect her to look better here in the sophomore appearance. So. Yeah, you said you had her in a in a how many uh, team parlay, Sean? Five teams. Five teamers hit all the time, don't they, Daniel? They're very successful. This is my co-host, ladies and gentlemen. Five teams. <laughs> he, 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 he's that deep into the game, right, Sean? But look, though, it's just a half a unit for plus 400. How could I turn it down? Hamilton, Grasso, Andrade, Torres, and OSP. I think Andrade and OSP are the, are the fears here. Man, no, I really wish Andrade. I really wish Andrade was the L word, you know, the the love word. Don't don't say that word. Oh, don't I'm, even I'm don't make me to. think it. 
<laughs> because if you make me think the word, it's the same thing as me saying it. Exactly. That's how it works. You've unleashed the demon. I heard you saying that you, you don't think uh, the Korean zombie is that good. And I hear you bringing up the George Roop fight. So let, let's go ahead and talk about this, man. We got Dennis Bermudez. He's minus 190. And the Korean zombie is plus 165. Now, I mean, I know about your angle, bro. I mean, the layoff versus the fire. And it's 100% true here. <laughs> I mean, the Korean zombie's been out for, what, three and a half years? And, you know, he's taking yeah. on a dude who's been active and... A dude that if you get tired on Dennis Bermudez, you know, he'll wear on you, man. But at the same time, in my opinion, Sean, if we get a Chan Song Jung that shows up to form like he did in his last fight or the fight previous to that, I think that guy beats Dennis Bermudez, man. Because Bermudez gets dropped every fucking single fight, you know? And I'm not just talking about the flying knee to Jeremy Stevens. I'm not, I'm, dude, I'm talking about a jab to Ricardo Lamas. I'm talking about against Matt Grice, against Diego Brandao. Like, dude, he's, he gets dropped literally every fight against Honey Jason with the flying knee, too, I think. Um, so, you get dropped against a guy like the Korean Zombie, he's a proven finisher. So, you know, that's a dangerous proposition for a guy like Bermudez. Bermudez has to be on his game. If he's on his game, he's going to be consistent because, I mean, the, that pace that he pushes, man, I mean, he, he's chinny as fuck, but the dude can go. He, he's got that cardio that lets him, I guess. I guess that's the reason that he recovers so fast, right, Sean? He's got insane cardio. And that's why you, you yeah, drop the dude 10 times crazy. and he still keeps coming forward. Um, that fight against Max Holloway, he didn't fucking beat Max Holloway. Yeah, but l let's just get that out the way real quick. So, in this spot, I mean, what are we going to see out of the Korean zombie? I mean, are we going to see the dude that, you know, fucking dropped Dustin Poirier, threw flying knees on him, Dars choked him, and yeah, you know, it's not the Dustin Poirier we see today, but you can't sit here and act like that Dustin Poirier sucked. You know, it's like when people talk about, oh, but... I'm going to uh, kind of act like that. Yeah, but, but Con <laughs> Connor beat Max, and it's not the same Max we see today. It's like, yeah, you're 100% correct, but it's not like Max sucked back then. He was still really fucking good. He's just better now. I, I feel the same way about Poirier. He was damn good back then. He's just even better now. So to me, it's not... That argument is, you know... I, I don't think it's, a, it's valid in this spot. The valid argument here is the fucking layoff. You know, what the hell is he going to look like? We got no idea. So betting on this fight is a crapshoot, but plus 165 for a guy like Jung, you know... If I knew that it was going to be the same guy, I would take that. I just have no idea. And, you know, Bermudez isn't the kind of guy you want to, you know, make a, you're returning as after a long-ass layoff. But, dude, he is chinny. He does get dropped every fight. I could totally see Jung finishing this fight. I could totally see Sean Shelby being like, you know, who's a guy in the top 10 that Jung could look good against? And I feel like he picked Bermudez for a reason. Now we're going to see you know, what version of the zombie shows up. Because he could look totally rusty. He could look like shit. Or he could come out here and starch Bermudez. I'm not going to be surprised either way. But I got to pass because I really don't know. I don't feel strongly about it. I just feel that it could go one of those two ways. And I'm not going to count out the zombie at all, dude. I am I'm going to count him out. Um, you know, here's the thing with Bermudez. We know what we're getting here, okay? The, like, his highs are very high. Like, the cardio is crazy the pace is crazy the wrestling is solid the striking is pretty solid decent kicking game um you know weird to say but decent defense um decent footwork as far as skill set goes and as far as where this sport at, uh, is at this point he's pretty much cutting edge you know what i'm saying he has these points where he falters he he does get himself into trouble and get subbed when he shouldn't 
he he is chinny and he does get caught and knocked out. Yes, that that shit does happen, and that shit could absolutely happen against a Korean zombie. It it absolutely could. But really, let's talk about Chang Sun Jung. Here's the thing: he is exciting. He is awesome. He is fun to watch. Um, he did hit a twister. You know what I'm saying? He he hit the twister on Leonard Garcia. So I don't even know if we want to like pretend like that was the real the real thing. You know what else he did? He lost to Leonard Garcia. He got knocked out by George Roop. His best win is Dustin Poirier. That's not the Dustin Poirier that's around now. And that was a great fight, and he looked good there. You know what I'm saying? But that was in 2012. What has he been doing? I mean, I know what he's been doing, but what has he really been doing? What, who is he training with? Are they making him... Is he caught up isn't he after training, a three-and-a-half-year layoff? Isn't he training with the What's same that? people that uh, Korean Superboy <clears throat> trains with? Uh, I don't really know. I, I thought it was the the Korean top team or whatever it's called. Yeah, the same team with uh, Korean Superboy and Dong Young Kim. I think that's where uh, Korean Zombie is, man. Okay. And well, also, you know, to bring yeah. up the root fight, I mean, look, anyone in the world takes a head kick to the chin. I don't give a fuck who you are. You're going down. But the but, re- the reason that I'm gonna justify it is because if you're competitive with Aldo, then why are we gonna bring up you know a loss that would have happened to anyone that takes a, a shin to the chin? He wasn't competitive with Aldo. He wasn't competitive with Aldo. It, he he did not look good in that fight. A and B. That was the Aldo that we get where he fights up to the level of his competition and coasts when he wants to coast. I felt like that was super obvious from watching that fight. You know why the Korean zombie is the Korean zombie? Because you can beat the piss out of him and he doesn't fall over. You know what the problem with that whole deal is? Is that it, it's the you can beat the piss out of him part. You know what I'm saying? Like, now you're rusty. And this layoff versus aggression is not like a just a slogan. Like, that's an obvious real thing. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's an obvious thing. It just makes all the logical sense in the world. You got a rusty guy versus a guy who wins basically on pace. You know what I'm saying? You don't have the best takedown defense. Bermudez is going to get to you, and he's going to hit you, and then he's going to take you down, and he's going to beat you up. It, you're never going to get a chance to get shake the rust off. When are you going to shake the rust off? When he's on top of you? That's a, this is a terrible position. Like you said earlier, like, hey, let's find a guy in the top ten that, that Chang Sung Jung can look good against. Well, this sure shit ain't the guy. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want, you want somebody who's going to let you feel comfortable. Bermudez is the opposite of letting you feel comfortable. But he's also um, super chinny and finishable, which is, you know, he the really Korean, is. The Korean zombie has a knack for finishing fights out of nowhere. Absolutely true. And, and Korean zombie could turn his rust into, uh, let's be hyper aggressive instead, go right at him and catch him with something. That could absolutely happen. But I think that he needs to work his way into the fight. I don't think Bermudez gives him a chance to work inside, uh, to work himself into the fight. I think Bermudez takes over early and keeps up that pace, and eventually Chang Sung Jung, you know, starts to break down, get slowed down, get tired, and just not have a lot coming back at Bermudez. And Bermudez is going to start to feel safe. The problem is what happens when Bermudez starts to feel safe towards the end of the fight. That's fucking super dangerous. So. You know, there's going to be some really scary Bermuda as moments in here, but best Korean zombie versus best Bermudez, I'll take Bermudez. 
in this position where Bermudez has been fighting and fighting real dudes and learning things and gaining experience and understanding his own identity, uh, understanding what he does well, uh, Chang Sun Jung has not been fighting. He's not been fighting. And he has his, his high points and he's had his moments, but it's really not been against anybody great. Um, you know, this is just a bad spot, a bad guy to come back against. And Jesus Christ, let him come back in a three-rounder. You're giving him a five-rounder? If this goes really bad, if this goes bad, it could go really bad. You know what I'm saying? If he gets tired in two, he's fucked in four. That's that's bad. Uh, I love Bermudez here. I, 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 this is uh, all the contextual things that I'm looking for. So, yes, danger zone on a couple things, but... We've got we've got the the better uh, the better guy with the better skills who's actually been fighting for a completely reasonable price. So I've got uh, Bermudez in a parlay with Njukawani from last week. Two units it pays like plus one twenty five. Man, Njukawani, dude, thirty twenty four, thirty twenty five, thirty twenty six. Sean, as a beating, I don't know how the fuck you don't get rid of him, but whatever. Like, dude, you got Melvin pulling guard, and then in the last, like, 10 seconds of the third round, Melvin took his back. Yeah. Pretty crazy. You should have got him out of there, but we'll, we'll remember that for the future. Indeed. But, man, I feel like, you know, Chitty's the kind of guy that doesn't really take any unnecessary risks. You know what I'm saying? He just kind of, he'll sit back and just do enough to win, basically. Yeah, we talked about that. We talked about the danger of him waiting a damn fight away. You know what I'm saying? There will be fights in his future where he waits the fight away and loses it. But that wasn't the one. He still should have. I mean, those scores are crazy. You know what I mean? I don't I don't remember the last time, 30-24, maybe I've never seen one. Um, but Jesus Christ, get rid of him, man. Lots of people would have gotten rid of him there. Man, that body kick. A win is a win. Yeah, yeah, a win is a win, but you could see the look on Melvin's face, and man, you know what? He Melvin fought tough. You know, for he took that ass whooping like a man, even though he pulled guard and this and that. But when you're going a, a, up against a dude that, that that's that much bigger than you and contains that kind of power, you know, much respect to him for not getting finished. Yeah, pretty crazy that he didn't get finished, really. Definitely. Well, let's talk about some of these earlier fights, dude, because Anthony Hamilton's minus one seventy five, and Marcel Fortuna is plus one fifty five now. Dude, you know, it's funny because I talked a lot of shit about Anthony Hamilton striking, and then he goes out there against Damian Grabowski, and he knocks him out cold in 14 seconds, and, like, Grabowski was out for, like, 10 minutes straight. So I was like, wow, I was wrong about that. And then his next fight against Nganu, he gets tapped out in, like, 30 seconds. So, I mean, what am I supposed to think about Anthony Hamilton, Sean? Because, I mean, I see him get knocked out in 17 seconds by Todd Duffy, and then I see him, you know, beat Ruan Pot. So it's like... You know, he's the definition of a hot and cold heavyweight fighter. Yeah, and that might have been the the end of it his last time. That's why, you know, I fought with myself. I really wanted to bet Hamilton here. I jumped off of it for a couple of reasons that I'll explain shortly. And then I was like, let me just put together this this fucking flyer and just put him in there because I really feel like he's going to win. But, you know, if you see him shit to bed here, are you going to be surprised? You don't know. But Never. the problem is, yeah, the the problem is, in this situation, what does him shitting the bed look like? You know what I'm saying? Like, Fortuna, first of all, certainly isn't a heavyweight. You know what I mean? 
his stand-up game is basically jab leg kick. You know what I'm saying? Like he really winds up on the leg kicks. They're not terrible. They're they're actually pretty decent. Uh, he's got a one-two. He's got like a one-two Superman punch. You know, he's got a couple things. Doesn't seem to carry a lot of power. And even though uh, Hamilton has been knocked out, does he get? Can he get knocked out by a, this little guy who's not a striker? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, Fortuna's really a jiu-jitsu guy. How the fuck are you going to take Hamilton down? You know what I'm saying? He's huge in comparison to you. And and when you take him down, I don't, I don't know. I just I don't see Fortuna having enough size and enough strength to do what he needs to do to win this fight. Uh, I see him getting pushed up against the cage, getting held there, getting taken down. And once he's down, this is where the stalemate comes in. This is why I like the over here. Um, I don't think Hamilton does a, a ton from top, and I, I, I think he's going to have problems passing. I think Fortuna is good, off, good enough off his back to neutralize whatever Hamilton wants to do. I feel like this fight actually even goes to decision. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of stalling here. I feel like there's not a lot of these guys being able to reach each other. And even though the one guy is, is gigantically outsized, the reason why I can't just put in on Hamilton and put in a real bet on him is, is cause he's Hamilton and he just got stopped and he looked like shit. So, you know what I'm saying? Like this, any fight could be the, the drive off the cliff fight. This could be it as unlikely as it seems. So, you know, this is risky, but on paper and logically and my eyeballs tell me that Hamilton wins this fight. You know, if it wasn't, if his name wasn't Hamilton, I'd fucking bet on him. But we've just, we've just seen him just shit the bed too many times, you know, but yeah, wow. It just, I wait until the weigh in. Like if you want to bet him, do it before the weigh in. Cause I have a feeling when you see Hamilton standing across from him, uh, across from, uh, Fortuna, that that line is going to fucking skyrocket. So do it now if you want to do it. Uh, Hamilton, but by decision and it's going to look like shit the whole time. <laughs> He's due for a win anyways if his uh, track record is any indication, Sean, so good luck with that. Yeah. And, man, Khalil Roundtree is minus 165. Daniel Jolly's plus 145. I mean, Khalil Roundtree, I mean, on the feet, is, he's explosive. He can knock dudes out. But if he ends up on his back just for the shortest amount of time, I mean, you can tap this guy out. You know, he's not getting back up, and, and he can slip off a kick. You don't even need to take him down, so... Yeah, I mean, is Daniel Jolly going to take him down, or is or is Khalil going to knock him out? That's that's my question here, Sean. I mean, you know, it's a decent question. From everything that you can see, it looks like uh, Khalil Roundtree is going to knock him out because that's what happens. You know, like Khalil Roundtree. Listen to the talk about him this week. It's like, wow, what a great striker! And is he a great striker? I don't think so. It, he's just he hits hard. He's explosive, he's fast. Yeah, he's fast because he's young, you know what I'm saying? But he's not really doing anything special. Like, there's tons of people who hit harder and uh, have better technique than him that get beat all the time in any weight class. Like, Jimmy Manoa, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's there's guys who possess the things that he possesses that it's not enough to just do that. That's that's not going to get you wins every time. It's It's a dangerous thing, but... The problem is, is why doesn't this guy learn any grappling? 
why is he a complete fish out of water there? He really can't do shit when you get on top of him. He's completely subbable. It's 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 not a guy that you want to put money on because it's it's feast or famine. It's it's get him out of there or lose. I don't I don't like this guy at all. I don't I don't see much of a future there. I don't know. He's got to he's got to quadruple the strength of his grappling game right now in order to be where he wants to be. That's never fucking happened before. So I don't know. I don't see him going anywhere. He'll probably knock uh, Daniel Jolly out because it's Daniel Jolly, but I won't be surprised if he just gets laid on the whole time either. I got to root for the fellow Daniel, but I think that, uh, I mean, Khalil, I mean, dude, actually, I, don't, I have no fucking idea because Khalil, like, you take this dude down one time, he's not getting back up. So at the same, yeah, at this, the same time. This is MMA, dude. At the same time, Daniel, MMA. What are you doing? Daniel Jolly stands for you know a certain period of time, and he could get he could get clipped like he has in the past. So, yeah, yeah, pass, 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 pass. All right, pass Tisha, running. Tisha Torres is minus two forty. Beck Rawlings is plus two hundred. I hear you got a bet on this fight. I mean, the bottom line here is that Tisha Torres, she's crisper, she's faster, she's more technical, she's just smaller. That, that that's the bottom line. But in ter- you know, in turn, she's faster and. She's the tiny tornado, bro, and she usually wins by decision. So she's going to win by decision here, Sean. She's going to win by decision. Um, this is a tremendous speed and volume gap. That's that's really it. It's just it. You know what I mean? Like, again, I, I, I usually don't bet on chicks because, I don't know, weird shit goes wrong. It's just like, it, like every chick fight is a goddamn Bellator fight. I, I, I don't love it. But again, I'm I'm in for a half a unit on a big fave, a big fave that I see winning. She's a big fave for a reason. Yeah, speed, volume, decision, sure. Michinori Tanaka is minus two fifteen, and Ricardo Ramos is plus one seventy eight. Now, I mean, Michinori Tanaka, I really enjoy watching this guy fight, especially with the scrambles on the ground, man. I mean, you remember that fight against Young Ho Kang. What happened to Kang, by the way, man? Did he have a military leave as well? I don't know. He was the better of the two. Remember him and Lim kind of hit the UFC at the same time. Kang had a, a much bigger upside than Lim. I don't know where the fuck he went. He was but a, he I, I was wish a come back. Yeah, he was good. But, man, Tanaka's oh, wow. a badass, too, man. I mean, he had a really close fight with Hani Aya. Obviously, he beat Joe Soto. So, I mean, he's got the experience down. You know, a lot of people like to talk about they like to fade uh, Japanese fighters in the U.S., but Michinori Tanaka isn't that kind of guy, in my opinion. I mean, this guy's a winner, you know, and he wins most of the time. Now, uh, with Ricardo Ramos, I mean, you know, he, he's, a, he's athletic. He's a bright prospect, but he's simply not experienced enough in this spot. I mean, he's a guy that usually finishes fights in the first or second round via submission. So, you know, there might be some really good uh, scrambles here early on, but, you know, dude, on paper, this kind of reminds me of, like, Ray Borg versus Gene Herrera. You know, Gene Herrera on paper, you know, he, he kind of, like, was similar to Borg in a way, but, you know, it was, it was all regional scene, whereas Borg was proven in the big show. And uh, now, you know, Ricardo Ramos has to go in there and take that first L on his, in his debut. And, you know, he'll be back, but Mitch Nori Tanaka is going to get done either by decision or submission. You know, oh, <laughs> when I went to look at Ramos, I, I watched, you know, uh, as, I think I found five of his fights. Uh, my notes in big capital letters, it says, 
dummy in the making. This guy, if you could just watch his highlights, you'd be like, holy fuck. Because it's pretty flashy, and it's pretty explosive, and it, it looks pretty goddamn dangerous. But when you really watch the fights, you know those moments when you're betting on somebody and you go, why would you do that? You know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to drop for a guillotine right there. That's you, you mean like do, when right? uh, Chris Weidman threw that spinning uh, heel kick against Rockhold? Yep. You're just like, what would you do that for? Just those moments, the moments that, that if you add up enough of them, you are a dummy. Uh, this guy has reached dummy status and hasn't really been in the UFC, you know, hasn't been in the UFC yet to show off his, his dummyism. Um, I have a feeling that this is a perfect setup for him to show off some massive dummyism. I think, you know, as long as this stays standing, uh, Ramos is for sure the better guy. Uh, he is fast, explosive, crafty, sneaky. He's got some really good skills, and he's young. You know what I'm saying? He could he could get his way out of the dummyism, but for right now, uh, there's a mistake coming. And against Tanaka, I don't like this. I, I don't think he makes it out of the other side of this mistake. Tanaka can take you down. You know what I'm saying? Believe it or not, he's a Japanese little guy who can take you down. And I know it's he's crazy, a stud, though, man. Happen. Yeah, he can fight a little bit. Um, if one wrong move in a scramble, Tanaka's got him. Uh, this guy has shown a major propensity of making one wrong move. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not going to be good, man. He He's going to look like he's winning right up until when he's tapping. So uh, it's a juicy number on him. And if you go look at the highlights, man, he looks fucking good. Uh, don't believe it yet. Sit back and watch this one because, you know, he's a dummy. Uh, I like Tanaka. Sean, we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So, Sean Carey Tattoo, what's the fight to watch at UFC Houston, man? Oh, boy, fight to watch. Fight to watch, Dennis Bermudez, Chang Sung Jung, uh, five rounds. Chang Sung Jung, basically never in a bad fight. Dennis Bermudez, basically never in a bad fight. There's definitely drama coming because it's a Bermudez fight. Uh, Chang Sung Jung, same kind of thing, really. You know what I'm saying? This this is bound to be a, a, a fun fight. Um, you know, ups and downs for both guys, but eventually Bermudez is going to keep that pace going and, and win the fight. But, you know, compared to the rest of this card, that's that's got to be the one. That's got to be the most interesting one as far as uh, excitement-wise. That's the one to watch. I'm going to go with Andrade versus Hill, man, because, you know, even though I feel like Andrade is going to go out there and whoop her, <laughs> You know, we were saying it feels too good to be true, so I'm definitely going to be tuned in to find out what happens there, man, because money's on the line, and let's make it happen. So I hope Jessica goes out there and does her thing, but that's that's my fight to watch, man. And uh, Sean, who is your fighter to watch? Fighter to watch is Curtis Blades. Um, You know, getting a little new action in, in the heavyweight division. Some of the old guys are finally getting put to rest, like no more. Um... Curtis Blades, we've already seen a bunch out of him. We've we've seen him react well to getting hit. He throws together when he gets hit hard. He throws together a, a, a pretty solid double leg at that point. Protects himself, gets on top, takes a breather, and, and works in top game. That that's that's a good thing to have. Uh, 
if he was the kind of guy to look for the door, he would have done that against Ngannou. Uh, but he didn't. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't even him that stopped the fight. It was the doctor. Uh, two really good things to see out of a young guy. Um, and after that beating, he comes back against East and doesn't fold up to adversity, uh, wins that fight. Another good sign. Um, his attitude is great. He's, he's, working on, he's working in altitude. He's working on his weak points. He seems to be the kind of guy who can mature into a, a really solid professional fighter. Like, his head's in the right place. I, I like him. He's talented. And like I said, that double leg, go look at it. It's, it's a serious fucking double leg. It really means something. So, you know, and, and right now the heavyweight division is, is, is lacking that. And this is a big guy who can do it to you. And, and we're going to see that this weekend. Uh, I like Curtis Blades in this fight. I like him going forward. And uh, I think he's going to look good and he's going to get people talking about him. And, you know, he'll be, you know, possibly seeing Ngano again down the line later. I'm glad you brought up the altitude thing because, you know, he has been putting in work with Dwayne Bang Ludwig, so I can only imagine his striking is going to get better from here on out. You know, and obviously just his evolution in in general, but working with a guy like that, you know, you've seen what he's done with a lot of these guys striking, so I think it's only going to, you know, work wonders for him. Now, uh, my fighter to watch is no surprise, the Texecutioner James Vick. I mean, Vick in Texas, I mean, dude, this is a big fucking deal, this fight, you know? I mean... He's coming off his first career defeat, pro defeat, and I mean, dude, he's got to make a fucking statement here, you know what I'm saying? Coco main event in Texas, you got an opponent that's going to come out here trying to take your head off, you got to gas him out, fucking pop his head back a hundred times, flying knees, and choke him out. So, Vic's my fighter to watch, man. Sean, we did it, dude. UFC Houston, man. Another one in the books. We did it. We made it through another one. Yeah. How many more are we going to last? Where are we going to set the over-under to, Sean? 3,000. 3,000 more. What, what's the line on that? We're going to go... We're, <laughs> we're going to go... What's the line on doing 3,000 more? I'd say um, over under minus 140. Minus 140, we, we, we hit over or under? That's right. We go over. That's right. We're, we're going to keep doing it until MMA turns... Until the UFC turns into boxing... And then shit's gonna change because we'll never see good good guys fight each other, and then we're gonna be less interested. But we'll be fine up until that point, Daniel. I guarantee it. <laughs> Bite your tongue. Who taught you those words? <laughs> it's coming. It's inevitable. It sucks, but it's true. Man, you know what's funny about that? I feel like if that happens, like you know who's the guy that's gonna come back and save it, right? Dana. Who? Like, you know, you think so? yeah, because now, you know, you know how a lot of people talk shit about him or whatever, but once he's gone, people are going to realize like that they're going to miss him. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. I, you know what? I've never thought I've never disliked Dana ever. The only thing that he did that I disliked was being like, women will never fight in the UFC. I was like, fucking right on, dude. That's what you say <laughs> right there. I, I totally agree. And then he fucking backed out on that. I was like, oh, you son of a bitch. But all the shit that he does and all the lies that he tells, guess what? That's what promoters do. That's kind of his fucking job. Of course he's not going to tell you the truth. Shut up. He's fucking um, awesome, man. I love him. He's funny. You know what I'm saying? Like, he tells people to fuck off. He battles with people on Twitter. I like him. <laughs> uh, yeah. I yeah. hope he doesn't go 
anywhere. Because left in the hands of these fucking dolts who took shit over, I think we're all in trouble. Yeah, you know, it's funny because a lot of the media, they're kind of criticizing uh, the new owners for not addressing the media, but I kind of did some research and apparently the deal with this dude, Ari Emanuel, is for every like business venture that he goes into, he waits at least a year before he addresses anyone publicly. He likes to figure shit out, so you never know, man. I mean, maybe this is uh, maybe this is what the UFC needed. You know, I'm just trying to be optimistic here, man. I want to see the sport grow and, you know, hopefully we get great matchups, unlike you're saying. So I guess we're going to have to see what happens, right? But uh, word on the street is the new owners went up to a guy like Masvidal prior to the Cowboy fight and, you know, were showing interest in a guy like that. So I feel like they, they're recognizing talent. Now it's just about the cards translating, you know? But this it's year, just, it's I been don't, good cards. I, I, don't see, I don't see the connection between these non-fight guys. And you know what I'm saying? Like... A non-football guy might be able to buy a football team and make it successful with money, you know what I'm saying, and not know that much, really. The fight game is like a traveling carnival, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's all ins and outs, and it's all weird relationships between people going back for 30 years and incestuous bullshit over and over again and, and possible fight fixing and drugs and fuck it. you know what I'm saying? It is. It's a traveling carnival. It's it's a freak show of sorts. And I, these guys with their suits walk in, and yeah, we're gonna run this. I don't think it's gonna it's gonna run you. You know what I'm saying? Like this this no, it's fighting, dude. It's gonna eat you. They're they're gonna sell it to somebody else eventually. I don't I don't see them running it good. But what you know, I'm not gonna shit on them before they've done anything. But. We'll hope for the best. It doesn't look good to me. We got to wish yeah, for the sure. best. You know what I mean? Yeah. Stay optimistic and see what happens, man. But, uh, yeah, what's the next card? Is, that, is the next one the Holly Holm card? Yes, Brooklyn. Damn, Anderson Silva versus Derek Brunson. That's going to be fun to talk about. Oh, I, oh, yeah, I got a definite pick in that fight. Dustin Poirier versus Jim Miller, Jacare versus Bush. There, there's, some, uh, there's some fights on that card that I'm excited to see, man. Yeah, some fun ones. Even though the main event is poop. Yeah, but there might be an opportunity there. So, you know, oh, yeah. you know what I'm, I'm saying? Already, I'm already up to three units of opportunity on there. But I guess we'll save that for next week. We will, but, you know, I, I, I think I might be joining you, man. And it's usually... You better. I usually bet against that fighter, but uh, in a situation like this where I expected it to be a minus 250 and it's a plus 110, you know, we, we yeah. have this conversation we're having now, right? Is she fighting the is she fighting the worst fighter she's ever fought? It's close, right? Now that I think about it, I mean in the UFC, yes. Yeah. She's fighting the worst fighter she's ever fought. Have you ever really looked at Jermaine De Randami's record? Yeah, she's crushed you know, a she's bunch of three and has no wins. Yeah, it's, she's terrible, dude. I don't get it at all. I don't want to hype it too much because I wanna I I wanna put more, I think, but like I don't fucking get it at all. But okay, whatever, man. I mean, it, it might just be the, the, the style matchup, but in, in terms of when you actually watch the tape, yeah, I 100% agree, you know? But, yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. Okay. Well, Sean, we'll uh, find out. you want to let the fans know where to follow you, and I just saw your uh, How I Watch Fights with our boy John, and he did a great job on yours, and yeah, let, 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 yeah, the, let the fans know what's up. Uh, Sean Carey Tattoo on Twitter and uh, Instagram, of course, as always. And uh, I did do that 
Power Watch fights that came out today, and I, I really like what that guy's doing. Like I said before, it's not a podcast like we do. It's something different. I think a lot of people want to learn about betting on this, but this is like a real weird, cool guy, boys club type thing where you don't want to ask info because if you ask questions, people are like, oh, you're a fucking noob. Everybody <laughs> called you a noob was a noob at one point. Remember that. So just good place to listen and learn whether you agree or not. It doesn't matter. Just hear how people do things right or do things wrong. That's helpful. So that's fun. So go listen to that. Definitely go listen to that. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays. As of right now, I only got the 3.5 units on Vic and Andrade. So, I mean, if Andrade drops Lame. the ball where's here, your fucking five-teamer? Where's your five-team parlay? <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> I, I'm talking to a man with a five-team parlay right now, guys. But, uh, dude. You better put together a half-unit five-team parlay by the end of this podcast. Man, I really should, It's right? going to be the same one as me. It's obvious. Yes. Are you said those five guys for for plus four hundred? Come on, how can I say no to that? Throw like Chaska. Let's find out there. which one of them loses. Who uh, loses? Hamilton. Um, I mean, Hamilton. How about that? Hamilton. <laughs> Catch me outside. A how bit, about that? <laughs> I'm a little more worried about OSB than Hamilton, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it just depends uh, if this dude, Volkan, is any good. Because, I mean, we've seen Ovens go out there and crush, like, Nikita Krylov in short order. You know what I mean? So, OSP usually shines in these kind of fights, man. And, yeah, I, I just feel like Jimmy Manua just did what Jimmy Manua does in that fight. It was a bad style matchup. He looked, ex- he, he looked extra good that night, too. You know he's fighting Corey Anderson, right? Yep. You know, That's a main event. It's a <laughs> fucking shit main event. Oof. Yeah, but there's a good opportunity if the line's right. I mean, we've seen Corey I, do I the agree. chicken dance every single fight, man. So. Yeah. That's a prop right there. That's a good prop play. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. You know, because a decision is most likely not likely, but. No. You never know. That's why, I, that's why you know, I was listening to your How I Watch Fights, and, you know, he said that you say uh, you don't usually bet, you know, by KO or by sub. You bet inside the distance, which, you know, it's good. Yeah. When, it's good when it cashes right. But then you bet. Then I bet Dustin Poirier inside the distance against Joe Duffy, and it's a thirty twenty six. You know what I'm saying, Sean? So uh, that's why I like to bet the fighters straight too. But when you do hit the props like uh, like Kyle did on that, you know, plus eight hundred on on Masvidal by KO yeah. and whatever the other one was like round two or something. Uh, yeah. yeah, when, yeah. When, when you happen to hit that one, it's, it's fucking unbelievable. But the quote unquote hashtag easy money is on the straight play. Yeah, I, I agree with that, man. It, you know, that's the thing. It's just in the times where you can't get the value and it's a fight where you feel like, well, this guy isn't going to win if it goes to decision and you feel safe about that, then that's the time to do it. You know what I mean? But to, to like in the Poirier fight, I bet him he was plus 200. You know what I'm saying? That didn't make any sense at all. Why would I even look at a prop there? Right. You know what I mean? Just take him straight. But certain situations like in this main event that we're talking about. Yeah. Like we don't need to keep it secret. If everybody knows, if this goes to decision, it's because Anderson's laying on him. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, if Manuel wins, it's because he knocks him out. So why would you play? You know what I'm saying? You could play Anderson straight, but if you're going to play Manuel, you don't play him any other way besides inside the distance, in my opinion. Yeah, and, you know, one could make that argument and then watch him go out there and win by knockout, but at the same time, we could have made the same argument, uh, you know, prior to the Shogun fight. And, you know, Shogun goes out there and drops him twice, but doesn't quite finish him, you know, and then wins a split. So, you know what I'm saying? And it was in Brazil, and this is in London. So, you know, you could make the decision argument. However, yeah. the, the KO is obviously more likely. I will just take take a lower risk and put it on that number instead and, and be happy with that instead of putting a, a real amount on him straight. You know what I mean? Because he could get decision. He could get laid on. That's that's a definite. Hey, hey, before I let you go, what do you think about uh, our boy Jorge Masvidal? Finally. You know what I feel about Jorge Masvidal? I feel like he's he's like when you love a band and nobody's heard of that band and then the band puts out like a couple hits and they get popular and everybody likes the band that you like and you're like, fuck you guys. That's how I feel about fucking Jorge Masvidal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I've loved Jorge Masvidal forever. I've been taking shit for for betting on him because he, you know, occasionally indulges in staring contests. Now he's fucking putting it together. He looks great, and I just see tweets about him like, "This guy could beat anybody at 170. This guy could beat it." You know, first That's of true. all, fucking slow down just a little bit, though. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he's still small. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, the hands, of course. And if he's finally put it together mentally, and he understands. Why why he loses when he loses? Yeah, fucking dangerous as shit. Oh my god, he could, he could beat him, but you know the mental side. He's got to put. It well, it's like uh, what we were talking but, about yeah, last week. It's awesome. like a, it's like a different version of Musasi. You know, you know, he was never when we Pretty talk much. about career resurgences. Usually, we talk about someone that wasn't that good and then they became great. Whereas here, Musasi and Masvidal were already great, but now, you know, they just needed to switch something up mentally. It's like, uh, you know, Masvidal and, and Musasi were always perennial top 15 guys, but now they're top five guys. That's what I'm trying to say here. That's right. And remember, we talked about this last time too, remember that they both have many years left. You know what I'm saying? They've been through it all. They have a zillion fights. They've seen anything that you can do they have dealt with it already, and and they've got many years left, and now they're at the top of the game. That's fucking dangerous, super dangerous. It's fun, fun for us. So, who would you pick between Masvidal and uh, Maya? Would you take that shot plus one fifty, plus two hundred on uh, game day? I don't. I might. Yes, I would, but I might not understand what Maya does because I. I see him, I see that his striking is kind of shit and that he's going to gas out. And when he gasses out, he's like a, he's like a newborn calf and he just <laughs> completely loses everything. Like he's, it's out the fucking window, but I don't really, I've never done jujitsu. I don't really understand. I, I understand what I see, but I'm just saying like, I think that I need to be able to break down just a jujitsu game better before I can really know what you know what i'm saying like how is he smushing carlos condit and doing that to him well he landed uh 
a really nice shot, and Carlos said that yeah. he got rocked, and I mean, that might have been a result of that fucking, you know, all the fights he's had, but in particular, it all added up when he fought Robbie Lawler in that five-round war, and then he just goes out there against Maya and got smushed, and we've seen that happen plenty of times, yeah. man. I mean, remember with Chuck, after he lost a rampage, and he just started getting knocked out every fight, pretty much. He tapped you out occasionally. It's not working. Think of all the people that he hasn't tapped out. You know what I'm saying? He's 40. Like... I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it with Damian Maya, but I understand that he's dangerous and I understand that he's dangerous in a way that I might not completely have a grasp on. So it's tough, but fuck. Yeah. I'm taking master at all. Kidding me. He knocks him out. All right. Well, Sean, let's get out of here, man. So everybody make sure you follow Sean at Sean Carey tattoo. Follow me at best fight picks, subscribe to half the battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.